Your city, your city, your station, your station, your Lakers, your Lakers. Lakers talk is on as the Lakers figure out the offseason. One thing's for sure, LeBron is not getting any younger. Every player on the roster you have to look at and say, does this player help us win right now at this moment? Does it give us a chance to try and get another championship in LeBron James's window? Lakers talk continues on 710 ESPN. Because that's what your franchise is right now. LeBron James window is right now. Here's Alan Sliwa. Alan Sliwa. All right, Ori, uh, one hour in the books, another hour to go. By the way, you miss any part of Lakers Talk, you could catch it on the ESPN app or on iTunes. Just search Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. Um, Funches. The NBA Finals. The Suns and the Bucks. It's 2-1 Phoenix. Um, I have, kind of get your thoughts on this for a quick second here. Your overall thoughts. Uh, entertaining? Well, not as entertaining? I'll, what, what do you I'll think? I'll say this, you know, like... Yeah. This is I, I say I'm not too interested in the matchup. You know, there's not a lot of good storylines. Yep. I mean, Chris Paul and Giannis, blah blah blah. But there's not. Yeah, it's I don't, not. Like, not I don't have. I don't have a horse. Stories. I don't have a horse in a race, basically. Yep. You know, so I'm not like watching it intensely as I usually do for NBA Finals. But um, it's been a good one so far. I mean, uh, it looks like Milwaukee was not going to even get a game, but they got a game on Sunday. Okay, so this is uh, what's happened. Um, Giannis has been the best player in the series. Yeah. Um, and just to think, uh, Slee was like, he just, you know, hyperextended his knee a week yeah. ago. So he came back, was was available for game one. Yeah. Puts up 20 points, 17 rebounds, two steals and a block. Game two, 42 points, 12 rebounds, four assists and three blocks. And then yesterday, game three, 41 points, 13 rebounds and six assists. And he's the first player, if I'm correct on this, to go back-to-back 40-plus Double uh, double doubles or whatever. I think so. I mean, Ten plus rebounds. Refer, or to, like the since first Shaq. Since Shaq. Yes, yeah, since exactly. Shaq. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So Giannis has been fantastic. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I, listen, I, I'm starting to kind of just appreciate the finals for what it is. This is what it is. This is your matchup. So enough of the, well, if this player didn't get injured, well, this is the way the scenario played out. And we can kind of complain about it. We can complain that it's not the matchup we were thinking for, or we could just kind of um, enjoy what we have. And I, I will say I'm starting to kind of churn more towards let's just enjoy the finals. Um, do, who do you think is going to win now? This like, is – let, let, let me say this. I'd be surprised if Phoenix wins tomorrow. Really? I think Bucks tied up to a piece. Mm-hmm. I still give the edge – You think that they have the, the Bucks have the momentum right now? I think it's going to be incredibly difficult to win in Milwaukee tomorrow. Yeah. This is also – listen, let's not make it sound like – Phoenix has been playing good basketball – Let's not make it sound like the Phoenix Suns are the, you know, Showtime Lakers yeah, or the beaters. Kobe and Shaq, <laughs> you know what I mean, or the Jordan Air. They're not. They're mm-hmm. they're a good team that's had some luck along the way. But this is why I think they win tomorrow. I think the Milwaukee Bucks win tomorrow and they tie the series up two apiece. Still give Phoenix the edge because of home court. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, it's your se- it's your season. Your season was yesterday, and your season is also actually it's not tomorrow, it's coming up on Wednesday. It's your season. So Milwaukee's going to play incredibly desperate. They know if they go down three games to one, I don't think anybody will believe they're winning three games in a row to win, you know, to come back and win this thing. I think the the Giannis, the Middleton, and the Drew Holiday, that's a good enough trio to beat the Phoenix Suns at home in game four. Like, it's not a crazy thing to think. But what I think has been most interesting is Giannis all of a sudden has decided, I'm going to stay in the paint. I'm not going to get baited into shooting three-pointers. I'm not going to get baited into shooting jumpers. 
what's my skill set? What's the strength of my skill set? I got to stay inside of the paint. And, you know, they, they certainly put DeAndre Ayton in a tough position yesterday. Unless Dame goes, or I'm sorry, unless Devin Booker goes off, Chris Paul's a fantastic game, and Ayton has a double double and goes toe to toe with Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think Bucks tied up. Tomorrow. I think two things go for the Bucks' favor in game four. Um, the extra day for Giannis to get his knee ready, sure, you know, sure. and then also the fact that the Phoenix Suns have no matchup. For Giannis, they mm-hmm. they have no one that can they can throw at Giannis and just say, hey, just guard him, put him on an island, and just say, hey, we're gonna shut you down. No, they got to throw like two or three guys at him, and then that open up shots for Middleton and the other guys on the team and Holiday and all those guys. So look for the Bucks to win Game Four. Well, this is this is what happens. This is not uncommon. The wind blows and we go with it. Right now, the wind is blowing towards you know the Bucks, and all of a sudden we're all kind of kind of starting to jump on that. Which a couple days ago. Everyone was talking about, hey, Phoenix has complete control of the series. But this is one thing I've said from the beginning. These two teams are not that different. Like it, It's not – it's it's sometimes rare. Remember back when the Shaq and Kobe days? When you got to the finals, it was a wrap. When you won the Western Conference, you had won the NBA championship. This was back in the Shaq and Kobe days. Now, in the Kobe and Pau days – that wasn't the case. With Boston, it was up in the air. Orlando, you were expected to win. I find this series more along the lines of both the Suns and the Bucks were not expected to be here. Why would we think one team has a clear advantage over the others? Over the other? Well, you know, the advantage coming into the finals was Phoenix because they're the most healthiest, right? The healthiest, yeah. No, that that is true. But now that Giannis is showing that health isn't an issue, yeah. putting up 40-plus points in the last And like games. I was saying, the Phoenix, they can't match up with Giannis. They have no one that he can throw at Giannis. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, Ayton is not a good matchup for Giannis. Not at all. Okay. By the way, that guy, that dude's got to stay on the floor or they literally have no shot of uh, – not no shot, but they, their chances of winning decrease. Um, okay, another uh, top NBA story that I want to get into. So I, I thought this was – I think this is kind of an interesting developing story. USA is now 0-2 in these exhibition games. They're doing these in Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah. They I- lost to Nigeria, um, and you and I know that uh, – I put a lot of money on Nigeria a couple days ago. I know you did, ago. man. Yeah, no, Jeez. Just, uh, the money just, line was like 10000 I could retire. <laughs> Basically, I'm doing this as charity work. Um, they lose to Nigeria. And, and you know, we know all the – what they lose by 80-something points when they played Nigeria nine years ago. They yeah. lost by 43 points when they played them five years ago. Okay, you know what? It happens. You lose a game. But then right before we got the show started, you come in and you say, hey, Al, turn it to Channel 40. And USA is about to lose again. They lost this time to Australia. You know what I, I kind of find interesting in this? This probably will make me watch more USA. And I, let me first say, I'm I'm going to watch the Olympics. Like, I, I enjoy watching. Uh, I, I'll watch countries that have nothing to do with the United yeah, States. I don't know I'll watch up, other countries. I don't know what's up with your broadcast partner, Travis, who doesn't like watching these things. But this is Travis, exciting. Let me, exciting. You, let me tell you what's wrong with Travis. He is no longer part of the global game. Because <laughs> he's not watching soccer, and he's also not watching USA basketball. Now I, I get it. I, you know, some people. This is when you have such a heavy favorite like USA basketball, the, it becomes boring. But you know what just became interesting? That they started zero two in exhibition play, 
which I think I saw something that they had not lost two in exhibition play since the nineteen like ninety two or something along those I'll, lines. I'll give you I give you a stat right well, now. Actually, was it ninety two? Let, let me give you one stat uh, from July twenty first, nineteen ninety two, to July 9th, which is before the weekend, twenty twenty one. Ten thousand days, ten thousand five hundred plus days. They only had two exhibition losses. Team USA. So they now, got two in the last week. And three in the last days. three days, they yeah. had two exhibition losses. <laughs> so basically, in the la- in 10,000 days, they had yeah. two exhibition losses. In the last three days, two exhibition I'm losses. I'm going to say this. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't. And maybe I'm trying to convince myself I saw, of I saw, that. I saw an interesting tweet. It's but not Dame's a- on that team. KD's on that team. Bradley Beal's on that team. Tatum's on that team. Um, Draymond Green's on that team. Like y- You have enough superstars and all-stars where you should not be losing to anybody. That's I, I, that's the concept. I saw an interesting tweet. It's not a big deal to us, but to the team that beat us, it's oh. a huge, oh, no, no, no. huge, huge of deal. It is. Of course it is. And this is what becomes interesting now. You got a USA team that everyone expects to just blow through the rest of the world. They're owing to an exhibition play. There's going to be more focus on them, and I kind of think it makes for a more interesting storyline. I, 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 would, I would say so, too, because now... I'm going to be locked in watching every game. And tomorrow, Alan, they got an Argentina team. They play Argentina. Tomorrow they play and Argentina. They, and Argentina has always been, like for the last 15 or so years, they've been a really, really good team. If Ginobili's not on that team, I'm not watching. <laughs> I don't know. Um, if you know who's still on an Argentina team? And I saw, and you'll be shocked, Luis Scola. Hello there. And he is has Luis like, Scola really still on he, there? Yeah, he, said he has full gray hair. That is fantastic. I gotta love that. Um, okay, another NBA story I want to get into. Did you see this, by the way? So Yahoo Sports, uh, just reading this off. Um, Danny Green was on the Takeoff with John Clark podcast. By the way, can I just say something? These podcasts, man, do they bring out some good content? You know what I mean? Like everybody has a podcast. You hear Shaq. We'll we'll have a quote on Shaq every couple of weeks. LeBron was just on a podcast. You know that we that we quoted Robert Ory. You just get also so they, much good they, content. That uh, Matt, Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson one too. Absolutely. There's another one right there. Okay, so this is uh, via NBC Sports Philadelphia. This is Danny Green talking about Ben Simmons. All right, for sure, it's an effect on everybody, and I think that somebody that's something that needs to change in the city. I love our fans, but when things aren't going well. They can't churn on you. That's the one thing I would disagree with or dislike. Some guys use it as motivation. Some guys have a chip on their shoulder. But I think that needs to change. They need to be riding with us regardless of how things are going. This is Danny Green talking about Ben Simmons. Um, this, let me actually read a little bit more. But with a guy like Ben and other guys, I think they need to stick behind them and stick by them as long as they can until the horn blows. And even then, here's here. He's given so much to the organization, the city, on and off the court that he deserves that respect and that support. So basically, Danny Green is telling Philadelphia, stop demolishing Ben Simmons. And we know what happened with Ben Simmons after the playoffs. What, what do you think of uh, a player taking that stance? <laughs> Good luck with that, Danny Green. You know Philly is like the most obnoxious city in like the world. Here's the problem. Here's the biggest issue you have if you're Danny Green mm-hmm. trying to make a case for Ben Simmons. Do you know what it is? What is it? Doc Rivers said some pretty stupid things right yeah. after the game that was not in support of Ben Simmons. You know what else it is? Joel Embiid had a comment that was directly aimed towards Ben Simmons. So if your own teammates don't have the back of Ben Simmons, 
my man, Philly will not be riding with that. Um, I, by the way, and I, I agree with him to an extent. I think, look, fans. If you're if you're asking for fans to be reasonable, uh, it's probably unreasonable to think that. So I, I don't think that's always going to happen. But I think in this regard, I, I like what Danny Green's trying to say. But I'd be much more concerned about the teammates and the coach having Ben Simmons back than anybody else. Good old Danny Green, miss him, miss him on the Lakers, miss that from Danny Green taking, you know, just defending your teammates. You know, you don't see you don't see that a lot in the NBA. It's funny, you know, Danny Green was one of those players for the Lakers that a lot of Laker fans would complain. Danny Green hit more shots, right? I know, right? And then he come out with a game and he had six threes, and we all of a sudden thought Danny Green was the greatest thing. And then when he left, we were like, no, nah, it's okay. We got Wesley Matthews, this. And then as the season progressed, you know, you got Dennis Schroeder too as part of that trade. As the season progressed, I would hear like, oh, we need Danny Green back. Like, hey, <laughs> right. You guys just spent all offseason talking about it. you didn't care about Danny Green. Great locker room guy. I heard nothing but good things from no, him no, no. in Philly. That, that dude, yeah. That, there's certainly no question about that. Okay, yesterday was the 25-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant being drafted. You know what we're going to do when we come back? We're going to play some Kobe Bryant clips from his rookie year. I got a uh, a clip with Kobe and Chick Hearn. Kobe getting drafted. Um, We're going to do all that coming up next. I'm going to kind of tell some stories about uh, Kobe Bryant, his rookie year, and I got to share some tweets from Laker fans as well. Stay right here. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. If you want to be a part of the show, 877-710-ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. With the 13th pick in the 1996 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant from Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania. Yeah, bring him, uh, bring him over to L.A. Come on, Charlotte. You know what happened after that. Uh, 25 years ago, this was yesterday, the Lakers acquired rookie Kobe Bryant from the Hornets, the rest is history. This was a tweet by SportsCenter. Um, you know, I, I it kind of takes me back. And I'm going to play a clip here in just a second. Chick Hearn with Kobe Bryant after Kobe's first NBA start. Um, I, I did this, and, you know, part of the reason why, uh, and I'm going to read off a couple tweets here. We asked Laker fans, and, and Travis and I were doing this um, this morning. And and you you're more than welcome to be a part of the show eight seven seven eight seven 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 ten ESPN. When did you realize Kobe was special? He was extraordinary. He was different. He was, had the potential of being a superstar. Can be in this league and help the Lakers win a chance. When did that click? Because remember, when he came into the league, um, you know, it took a second. And I think a lot of people's perception on Kobe was different as his career progressed. Um, I know for me, the way I viewed Kobe when he was with the Lakers, even in the Kobe and Shaq days, I perceived perceived him. My perception of him was a lot different as his as his career progressed. So we threw out that that question to Laker fans. I want to read off a couple here. So this is when Laker fans thought Kobe was going to be extraordinary. I thought I thought this one was interesting. Um, 
Wowie Box on Twitter. Three air balls against Utah. He kept shooting even if he was missing shots. Most rookies would stop shooting after the first air ball. That's when he knew Kobe was going to be special. Can I tell you something? I actually brought this up this morning. That was exactly one of the moments. I, I, I didn't think that was the moment for me. I, I said it was during the Shaq and Kobe, those championship runs where um, Shaq would foul out or Shaq was in foul trouble, and Kobe would be like, yeah, hey, I got it. Everything's fine. Remember he did that against Indiana Pacers in Game 5? Just basically decided, okay, Shaq's out. That's fine. Put Jalen Rose on me. See what I'm going to do. Put uh, Mark Jackson on me. Put Reggie. It doesn't matter who's guarding me. I'll pick up the slack. And he did. And that was with Shaq off the bench. That, that's what kind of changed it for me. But one of these tweets to kind of look at that and say, well, that's actually when I thought it was, I, I thought this guy was going to be special because of how much he was failing in that uh, playoff round against a Utah Jazz. You know what I remember from that? I remember nobody else wanted to shoot the ball other than Kobe. I'm like, Kobe? Out of out of everybody, you want the rookie shooting these shots? And Kobe's like, okay, nobody else. I'll take it again. I'll take it again. Uh, that that zero, there was never a part of Kobe that there was, and I was mentioning this to Travis a little bit earlier, it wasn't just about failing. It was he was so confident in himself because of all the preparation that he was okay with failing because he put in the work. He wasn't just showing up to work and saying, okay, let me see what happens here. Okay, I got another tweet I want to read off here before I play this chick with Kobe. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris Del Junco says, when the Lakers traded the seasoned veteran, he's talking about Vlade, for someone I had never heard of. That's when he knew he was going to be special. That's, that's a good point. Hey, anytime you get uh, you get Jerry West in the mix. Um, Chris West wins on Twitter says when the Lakers traded Eddie Jones to make room for Kobe in the starting lineup. Eddie used to be my guy, by the way, uh, used to love Eddie Jones. And I got a couple people that were, that keep, um, they're sending me these tweets of that preseason dunk at UNLV, but I don't think he was a rookie, uh, but you don't have to be a rookie. That's when a lot of people thought, Hey, this is when he was going to be extraordinary when he dunked over Ben Wallace. Yeah, it, was his, it was his second year. It was a UN, UNLV game, a preseason game at UNLV, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's when uh, Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones and everybody else on the bench just all were looking at each other like, what did we just see? Uh, that was one of Kobe's uh, best highlights. All right, take a listen to this. As we're talking about Kobe Bryant was drafted – um, it was 25 years ago yesterday, and you better believe this was going to come up in Lakers talk. Um, he was uh, drafted, and the Lakers obviously acquired him from the Hornets. So this was Chick Hearn from one legend to another legend after uh, his first NBA start. Well, he might be only 18 years and five months old, but this guy can do everything that the veterans can do and do it better perhaps. Kobe Bryant, last night you get your first start as a pro. How'd it feel? I felt good. I felt good, you know, going out you know, for the starting lineup. You know, I tried to keep keep a straight face and keep a serious look, but, you know, I couldn't help but cracking a little smile. Do you get a little feel of palpitation? Sure. 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 Because, I mean, you're so excited to get out there to be in the game, and I haven't done that since since high school. Right, right. You know, so I, I naturally get excited. You know, we, we don't do enough, and this would be great for imaging on the station, just – to hear Chick Hearn and Kobe Bryant having a conversation together, I mean, does that is that not just special? Is that not just something that you know you want to hear? I mean, I, I, that's one of those things where 
Um, you just got legend to legend talking to themselves. That is special. So we want to play a couple of those. Obviously, Kobe, when he originally got drafted, you heard David Stern there, the late David Stern, Chick Hearn with Kobe Bryant after his first NBA start. So a couple uh, couple clips right there. Can we? Can I just tell you the, the uh, six names that went ahead of Kobe Bryant in that draft? Okay, now I think if I'm correct here, that's a special draft, correct? It's very, very special draft. It's going to be one. Of, it's going to go down as one of the best drafts in any sport in any history, like the one of the best ever. That, that's why you know for a second there, I heard a lot of this conversation, Funch, because of how well Luca was playing in the playoffs and Trey Young and DeAndre and uh, and uh, who else? Michael Porter Jr. is in that draft. And Mikhail Bridges. People are like, this is one of the best drafts. I'm like, guys, slow your freaking roll. Do you know some of these drafts that are out there? And this 1996 draft is a good example. Okay, who are the six players prior? The six players prior. And <laughs> this is a bad example. Well, I'm by just going to laugh. I'm just going to laugh. Uh, Lorenzen Wright, rest in peace. Good player, great player. Um, Kerry Kittles. Yep, remember him. I think they played, Lakers played him uh, New Jersey when mm-hmm. in, in the NBA Finals. Okay. Next guy, uh, Samaki Walker, remember former Samaki, Laker. Samaki, former Laker. Former yes, Laker. Um, Samaki Walker was drafted before Kobe. Yeah. Who yep. drafted him? Um, the Dallas Mavericks. Hmm. Okay. Um, Eric Dampier. Remember Dampier? Uh, Todd Fuller. Bet you remember him. Okay. <laughs> and also the, the guy that got picked right before Kobe Bryant, Vitaly Potapinko. My man, I'm telling you, some of these drafts, like Wikipedia, who has the full list there, and and probably basketball stats or whatever the you know the what I get all my stats from. I'm sure there's so many general managers and franchises that are asking, "Can you please take this down? We don't want to be reminded of who we passed on and who we ended up with." Okay, those were some of the picks. Give me the give me the first five picks of the draft. First five picks of the draft. Uh, number one, AI. Okay. Uh, number two, Marcus Camby. Mm-hmm. Number three, Sharif Abdul Rahim. Yep. Really good player. Mm-hmm. Number four, Stefan Marbury. That's right. And number That's right. five, Ray Allen. Mm. And right after him, uh, Antoine Walker. Good players. And two guys that went right after Kobe Bryant. Uh, number fourteen, Paige Stoyakovich. Yep. Number fifteen, Steve Nash. Mm, that's right. Nash was that draft too. Yeah, yeah. How many freaking guards? Jeez, man. Okay, so I I I hear all of that, and you know I I don't know then if as much as you know we obviously compliment Kobe's career. Freaking Jerry West, Jerry West making. And just moves. one more thing on that draft, the Lakers made out you know plenty in that draft because not only did they get Kobe at number D thirteen, Fish. they got D Fish at twenty four right. too. D Fish at a Little Rock, Arkansas. That's right, I remember that. Um, okay, we can sit here and talk uh, Kobe Bryant all day long, but uh, 25 years ago, Lakers acquired rookie Kobe Bryant from the Hornets. Uh, that obviously that was the anniversary yesterday. So a little bit of chatter there on the Kobe Bryant front. Um, when we come back, Jovan Buha, who you guys know, I like going to. That's kind of like my go-to guy here. Um, he. Uh, covers the Lakers. He's covering the NBA Finals for the Athletic as well. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA Finals, what to expect in Game 4. I'm going to get his thoughts on kind of what's transpired so far from some of these role players. We'll get his thoughts on uh, LeBron uh, James' comments about playing uh, you know, four, three, four, five, six more years, whatever the case is, wants to finish his career as a Laker. We'll do all that coming up next. Thank you for being a part of the show. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. 
With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I appreciate you guys being a part of the show. I want to welcome in Yovan Buha, Lakers NBA reporter for The Athletic, um, covering the NBA Finals here. Yovan, uh, appreciate you being a part of the show, but I, I want to kind of get into a story that you had earlier today. Um, just just give me your, your quick thoughts here. You, you know, you, you made such a – there was so much to yesterday's game about the dominance in the paint by Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. How, how, how do you see that as kind of being the factor in yesterday's game, and how key do you think that becomes through the rest of the series? I think that's the key to this series moving forward. And as I wrote, it was really interesting uh, that, you know, Monty Williams had this kind of level of concern heading into game three. And he really laid out all the ways that the Suns were eventually going to lose the game. He was like, you know, last game they had too many offensive rebounds. They had all these points in the paint. Giannis got to the free throw line a bunch. And that, you know, formula for the Bucks in, in game two translated over to game three and they also got the benefit of being at home the, the boost that that gives role players you saw a better performance from drew holiday uh, pat Connaughton, different guys so i think if you if we now look at the sample of three games um you know th- there are things that both teams are doing in, in a positive and negative sense right uh but I think for what's kind of been the, the bellwether and sort of determining, um, I think the direction of this series, it's really been that war in the paint. And, um, you know, going back to even the regular season, uh, when DeAndre Ayton has had you know, five or more fouls, the Suns are now five and seven. Hmm. And, and that is a concern for them with Dario Saric out. Uh, if DeAndre Ayton gets in foul trouble again, in another game this series, they're probably going to lose that game, you know, wherever it is. If it's in Milwaukee, if it's in Phoenix, like they don't have a, a, back, a true backup center to come in and control the paint uh, the, the way that most other teams at the contending level have. So I think for Phoenix, like that's kind of their one rotational weakness. And you really saw that, you know, bear out in, in game three. So I think for Phoenix, they're going to have to figure out, you know, how, how do we stop Giannis from getting to – the paint, I really think they're going to pack the paint, force Milwaukee to hit a bunch of threes that they've not shot the ball well. So maybe that, that helps them in game four. But um, I think this kind of chess match of, of the, the paint battle, which has gone Milwaukee's way through the first three games, is really interesting to me. Yeah, you know, Jovan, maybe this is a good example. Maybe it's not. But the small sample size we saw with the Lakers, right when AD was Anthony Davis, there was no answer from the Phoenix Suns, whether Aiden was in there or wasn't, but you got you had to have Aiden in there. Giannis, the equivalent, look at the numbers he's putting up these last couple of games. Um, that's the closest comp I could find just because, you know, we'll tie this kind of back to the Lakers or so. Um, I, look, th- th- this happens often that one team wins and now all of a sudden we're like, oh, yeah, look at the Bucks. You, you know, you can't stop this thing. I did mention this after Phoenix went up 2 nothing. I still thought this was going to be a series – do you think yesterday's game was um, kind of an uh, an outlier, or do you feel like 
Bucks are going to tie up this series at two apiece, and it'll be a three-game set. Uh, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Bucks tying it up, but I, I still think you know Phoenix. They, they had two things go against them that we, we just haven't really seen go against them this postseason. Devin Booker had one of his worst offensive performances of the postseason, three of fourteen uh, shooting, and, and just did not look like the Devin Booker we saw in the first couple games and have seen for most of the postseason. Um, so I think you know that combined with DeAndre in foul trouble and him playing a postseason low 24 minutes, um, you know that that was really the, the formula for Phoenix losing this game. You know, combined with, of course, Giannis's brilliant performance and the Bucks hitting more shots. Um, so I, I don't. I think the, the Bucks played, you know, about as well as they could in Game Three. I mean, I, I guess Chris Middleton could have gone off and had a better game, but uh, Phoenix was really clamped down on him. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, I guess maybe they could also shoot better, but I think for, for the most part, that was about as good as it gets for the Bucks. Uh, you know, Giannis was a monster, and they won by 20. And I think for Phoenix, there's still a lot for them to improve on, especially defensively, that I still favor Phoenix in the series. Um, I would not be surprised if they win game four and end up winning this thing at five. Um, but but it'll be a close five because I, I felt the first couple games were close. Milwaukee had a chance, missed a bunch of open looks in, in both games, and Phoenix just made the plays when they needed to, and then that was kind of a difference between, say, game two and, and game three. But um, I think, you know, the, the pain stuff, as you said, anytime a team loses the game, not, not just in the finals but in a playoff series, sure. we tend to focus on what went wrong in that game. But I think to Monty Williams' point, um, you know, this has been going wrong in all three games. You know, really, like if you look at what Milwaukee has done well, it has been get to the paint. And I think to your point about AD, like that's part of what I wrote about. Um, you know, the, the 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 Suns have only lost two games in a row all uh, all playoffs, and that was games two and three against the Lakers when AD crushed them uh, for for 68 points and, and 23 rebounds. So I think that there is that formula of like if you're going up against an interior star who can, you know, attack the, the Suns inside, that, that is the way you beat the Suns. And the Lakers had that before AD went down. I think we, we all were favoring them to win that series. And I think the Bucks have, have kind of figured it out. Like, this is the way to beat them. And we've we got to attack DeAndre Ayton. We've we got to get him off the floor. And we do that, we're, we're going to win this series. So I, I'm really interested to see how, how Phoenix counters. We saw them go to some zone um, and, and different things. So, I think you know, Monty Williams is a really good coach. He's proven himself this playoffs, so I, I don't want to doubt him yet. But I, I am interested to see kind of how they counter because there's all, you can't you, know, you can't add the monsters to to this team, right? Like they are a bit of a size disadvantage, and you know it's really paramount that DeAndre Ayton is able to stay on the floor. Uh, Lakers and NBA reporter for the Athletic, Yovan Buha, taking some time to join Lakers Talk. By the way, host of the Forum Club podcast as well. Um, Yovan, you, if I'm correct here. You're in Milwaukee. Yeah. What can can you kind of describe? I mean, you know, even with the Lakers, unfortunately, by the time Lakers were eliminated, everything wasn't open. So we we haven't. I have not got the experience of full arena. Obviously, this is NBA Finals on TV. It looks just unbelievable. What's going on outside? What's going on inside? What's the What's the environment been like? I mean, is it for you? Does it take you back to, yeah, no, this is what we've been missing for the last year plus or whatever the case is. Is it kind of describe the environment to me? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the two places I've traveled to on the road during this postseason, aside from Staples Center, have been Phoenix and Milwaukee. And I can say, you know, both both stadiums or arenas were, were at full capacity and both have been amazing. And, you know, it, it's been... I'm sure people being back in arenas for the first time in a while and with just that crowd atmosphere and environment has led to even better crowds. Um, but, you know, this is some of the – at this point, I've been to every arena in the NBA. I've covered playoff games in, in multiple arenas. And um, I, I can say, like, Phoenix and Milwaukee are really right there with, with any arena I've been to um, outside of maybe, like, you know, Oracle Arena at, at its peak. But – uh, I, I think, you know, fans are starved for this. And it has felt like back to normal. I mean, it's a little different because we're, we're still wearing, you know, the media still has to wear masks. And, and there's certain, um, I've, I've been doing the in-person access. So um, I got to get a COVID test. And, and, and there's certain restrictions on where I can go in the arena. But aside from that, um, the actual viewing experience of being in your seat, watching the game, and writing about it, that feels back to normal because it actually feels like there's a mm. crowd that has an impact on the game versus what we experienced for most of the season at, at Staples Center, which for three quarters of the year was no fans. And it was like this, this ghost town. And then slowly fans started to trickle in, but we never got it to full capacity. Uh, so I, I think it, it has been nice to, to be in that environment. And I am looking forward to seeing Staples Center and what the Laker fans are going to bring uh, next season. Okay, Yovan, enough of the NBA Finals. Nobody cares about it. We're, we got a Lakers offseason to worry <laughs> about, Yovan. Um, hey, just Seriously. just just real quick, your your thoughts on this and um, LeBron. I, I played this a little bit earlier on his uh, on a podcast, Smartless Podcast. Wants to finish his career with the Lakers. Said, however many years that is, is it four, five, six, whatever, seven? Hey, you know, I, I'm I'm sure he's not talking. We'll see what happens in his career. He's got two years left on uh, in his current Lakers contract. This is just your own opinion. H- how many more effective years do you think we have of Kobe Bryant or of Kobe of uh, LeBron James? Do you think we have? And I and I, I say that only because um, he's got two years left on his contract. I, I I made the case earlier that he has surpassed all my expectations from three years ago when he was just coming to the Lakers. And uh, how many years do you think he could be an MVP candidate, a player that's still incredibly effective? Are we talking about LeBron still in the NBA and the Lakers four years from now, five years from now? I think he could be a productive, high-level starter for at least another four to five years. I think at the MVP level, I'm split between two and three years. You know, I, I do think that, um, I think if he stayed healthy, he would have been in that conversation. And I think at the time he went out, um, you know, I, I might have jinxed it, honestly, because I, I literally wrote the day before his ankle injury mm-hmm. that he, in, in my opinion, was the MVP favorite and had reasserted himself in the race. Hey, I agreed so with you. I, mean, I, 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 think I, I think a lot of people, you know, I was coming here on a mic really, really trying to make a case. So I, I was with you at that point. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's an alternate universe where uh, LeBron doesn't get injured and he wins the MVP and we're, we're talking about the Lakers in the finals against the Bucks right now, right? Like, or, or Anthony Davis doesn't go down with his injury the first round and they get past the Suns and, and you know, I think would have gotten past the Nuggets and 
then you're playing a, a physically compromised Clippers team and uh, you're probably in the finals that way. So, like, I think, you know, the, the, there's some of the, the narrative stuff with, with LeBron and his demise and stuff I, I think is a little overblown. And to me, you know, this season was just as good as last season, which you just don't expect from a 36-year-old. But he's going to be 37 next season. We have not really seen guys perform at this level um, you know, especially on the perimeter, we've seen it. Kareem, some of the you know uh, older big guys have kind of done it deep into their careers. But for a, a perimeter player to do it um, and kind of maintain that uh, athletic ability, uh, it's pretty unprecedented. So I would say comfortably two seasons, uh, and then that third season will, will probably be determined just by his health. You know, does he suffer another injury in the next couple of years that that maybe sets him back? Um, you know, and kind of expedites the, the aging process. But um, uh, you know, to your point, it's it's hard to bet against LeBron, and he's just one of these. You know, I think he's at the point in his career where I'm gonna, you know, it's like the the the, the Spurs back in the day. You know, when everyone was like writing them off as a playoff team, and they kept finding ways to make the playoffs. Sure, I, I'm kind of at that point with LeBron, where I'm like, I'm not gonna say he's gonna fall off until I see him actually fall off, and. I just don't even know what that would look like because it's so um, difficult for me to, to even imagine. So I would say at least two years um, and maybe three. But again, you know, I didn't expect him to be at this level of 36 to begin with. Sure. So, um, you know, and, and he might have, again, been the MVP favorite when healthy. So he still has some ways to go in terms of his ability to drop off and still be in the MVP race, in my opinion. Uh, Jovan, final one, and I appreciate your time. Jovan Buha, who's the Lakers and NBA reporter for The Athletic in Milwaukee covering the NBA Finals, host of the Forum Club podcast. So I, I think that last week has been interesting, maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, you know, we're listening to some role players either, you know, it could be on Instagram or it could be the latest one was Montrez uh, Kuzma on uh, last week talking about how if he had a specific role, he could be an all-star, put up 25 points. Montrez, obviously, uh, I'm sorry, Dennis Schroeder, we know is going to be chasing some big money in the offseason, 100 to 125 million. We'll see what the market is for him. Drummond, you've heard kind of mentioned. Um, your opinion of these Lakers role players, do you feel like there's going to be a lot of familiar faces uh, that the Lakers will have this upcoming season, or do you think Rob Palenka is going to have to retool and it's going to look a lot different than it did this past year? I, I think I'm starting to lean more towards the retool. Um, and it, it's tough because uh, you look at a guy like Dennis and the Lakers, you know, really they're picking between do we pay Dennis 15 to 20 million annually or do we let him walk and, and not get that salary slot back and, and not be able to um, replace him with apologies. I'm getting a, a phone call in my hotel. Um, but it's room um, service, room service. What are you ordering? What's going on over there, Yo? It, it is. I, I I did get some. I did get a food <laughs> order. Um, I, I got a. I got a euro. Um, but uh, so I think for, for me, you know, one of the big differences between this you know past season's team and the, the season before um, was the level of sacrifice and, and the buy-in from um, you know that group. And I think we're now learning. Uh, you know, kind of in retrospect that I don't think this season's team was fully on the same page and, and that everyone in the rotation was, was fully bought into the sacrifice required for their role. And I think 
moving forward, um, you know, a, a lot of times we talk about the on-court fit and, you know, this, this guy's done this, you know, Andre Drummond's a two-time all-star, Trez is a sixth man of the year, you know, Dennis was the runner-up and, and had a good, you know, good season with the Lakers. But, you know, the, the on-court fit is one thing, but you have to fit in off the court as well. And you have to be able to buy into what Frank Vogel is saying. And, and you know, I think we were now seeing kind of that some of these guys, I don't think fully did that. And, and there were some traces of that. You know, I thought Markeith Morris, with his exit interview and what he said uh, was really interesting. If he kind of alluded to that of like, you know, not everyone in this locker room was, was willing to sacrifice and, and, and kind of make um, the, the necessary adjustments to, to fit in. And, and, you know, that's what he's kind of looking for for next season. So um, I think, again, we, we, you know, we can dissect and analyze and debate some of these guys' fits on the court. But what, when they're saying these things, you know, Drummond was kind of saying it was a promotional thing for his NFT and, and different stuff. But, like, I think there was some truth to that because it was during the playoffs as well. Andre Drummond and Montrezl Harrell were liking tweets saying that they should be playing more and that Vogel doesn't know what he's doing. Um, so I, I think Andre Drummond and Montrezl Harrell believe that. And I, I think Dennis has obviously been vocal about his contract and um, thinks he should be paid a certain level. And, and Kuz has kind of gone back and forth on, on you know what he thinks his role should be. So uh, I think the Lakers are in a bit of a tough situation just because you know, Drummond walks, you're getting a vet minimum big. You know, Trez walks, you're getting a vet minimum big. Uh, maybe you can trade Kuzma, attach a first-round pick, and, and get something back for him. But all these situations, you're probably looking at a downgrade if these guys walk. But the flip side is you're getting a guy who's probably buying into your culture more, hmm. which arguably is just as important, if not even more. So I do think the Lakers being the Lakers, they're going to find guys uh, on bargain contracts. They're going to find the next Wes Matthews or the next Marcus Gasol who's willing to sign for the minimum and maybe take a discount to play in LA. So I think, you know, there is some chance that next season's roster looks a little bit worse, but if those guys are willing to buy in more and fit the culture, chemistry and vets, Lakers. A- absolutely. It's exactly. talent or chemistry and vets. Uh, Jovan, um, fantastic. Great insight, insight as always. Appreciate you being a part of the show. Uh, enjoy the finals game on Wednesday, and then safe travels back to L.A., all right, bud? Appreciate it, Alan. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man, sounds good. That's Jovan Buha right there. Great stuff. To be honest with you, a lot of the stuff I agreed with or we kind of got into earlier in the show, so I couldn't fire back at him. I was like, Jovan, I agree with you. All right, when we uh, when we come back, um, a lot of people making some comments in regards to some of the players right now in the NBA Finals, making some Laker comparisons. I don't know how crazy I am about this. We'll talk about that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. Sometimes, you know, some of the classic hits that get played on this show, Funches. I just, what's better than a good jam? Little Lauren Hill right here. Well, I didn't know you had this on you, Sliwa. What are you guys doing in the background there? Um, I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in the show. Okay, let me plug in a couple quick things here. Number one. You didn't know what I had. I got four pages up there of music. You know what I have. All right, Funches, you know what I have. All right, Lakers Talk uh, with Alan Sleeve on the ESPN app or on iTunes. So um, you can uh, download all two hours of the show. Thank you to Yovan Boo uh, taking some time to join the show. Uh, another quick plug. Tomorrow morning, again, Travis and Sleeve show. So from 8.55 in the morning till 11 a.m., uh, we will continue to do uh, – you know, obviously, uh, our, our conversations uh, more on a local basis, but we'll hit on all the uh, top uh, sports stories starting tomorrow at 8.55. Okay, so this is one thing that 
you know, I'm, I'm hearing more and more of. It's kind of a difficult one to uh, to. I I get what people are referencing when they do this. All right, so Devin Booker has a good playoff run, wins a couple of games, and all of a sudden we want to compare Devin to a guy like Kobe Bryant. There, but by the way, there's a story there. Um, he had a fantastic conversation um, that he explains the story. He did it with Michael Wilbon, where Kobe, when he was still playing in the league, invited Devin Booker back to the locker room. What he thought would be a couple-minute conversation turned into 15 or 20 minutes. Kobe tells him, hey, be legendary. He gets that tattooed on his uh, on his forearm. I get that. Awesome story. Fantastic story. But I'm not doing too well with every time a player has some type of a performance, all of a sudden we're comparing them to freaking Hall of Famers. Hey, this guy can be this player. First of all, it's not fair to the player. Second of all, you know, we got to be careful of comparing somebody who's in the playoffs for the first time in his career. I get it. They're in the NBA Finals, and he may very well have an NBA championship under, under his belt in the next week or so. But to start making comparisons with Devin Booker and Kobe Bryant, can we can we wait on that? To start making some comparisons with Giannis and how dominant Shaq was. Shaq was a Finals MVP three years in a row. Uh, he was unfreaking stoppable. He's arguably one of the you know wherever you want to put him as uh, most dominant centers yeah, in the I, history I of the I, NBA. Wilt and 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 Kareem and I, I just don't see this comparison at all. Like they're totally two different players. But we just can't right now. Like let these guys accomplish something. You know what I mean? When you started making comparisons of Dwayne Wade to Kobe, okay, you had an angle, right? Like, Dwayne Wade was winning championships. You could say, okay, well, he's not Kobe Bryant, but Dwayne Wade is the closest thing to Kobe. And 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 Dwayne Wade was that good of a player where, no, that's not a comp. But you can make some comparisons. You, you can say, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of other players to make comparisons to, but... I just have a difficult time how easily we throw around. Well, that player reminds me of this guy. That guy's a Hall of Famer who has five NBA championships playing the league for 20 years. That other guy's been in the NBA um, and has four NBA championships and three finals MVPs and was arguably the most dominating player in the league in not just his era, but one of the more dominant players. We we throw it around so loosely. So I kind of hesitate every time I hear it. I see what they're trying to say. I know people are not actually competing comparing that player to that player, but uh, you could see Funches where that could get a little frustrating there. Um, I spent some time to start off the show. There was a, a good um, there was a good um, a quote from LeBron James earlier today on the Smartless podcast talking about how he wants to finish his career with the Lakers. I don't think any Laker fan would oppose that. I think every Laker fan is all in on that. We've seen what LeBron James has obviously done for the Los Angeles Lakers since he got here. But LeBron threw out some years here, four, five, six, whatever, seven. Um, He obviously wants to continue with the Los Angeles Lakers. So we're having the conversation, how long can LeBron James be an incredibly effective player? Well, I didn't think LeBron was going to be as good as he was. You know, when he came to the Lakers three years ago, I didn't think he would have accomplished what he's accomplished. I didn't think he'd have an NBA championship under his belt. I didn't think how quick he was going to kind of turn around the franchise. I didn't think if the Lakers were healthy this season, um, now I'm talking about from three years ago when I was thinking about what, what LeBron would do here. I, I didn't think he would be have accomplished this much. And you know, however long LeBron ends up playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, Laker fans only care about one thing. Are we competing for a chip? 
And LeBron has proved in these three years, every year I'm with the Los Angeles Lakers, as long as I'm healthy, we're competing for an NBA championship. So what that can mean two years from now, which is what which is what LeBron has remaining in his contract, um, and obviously moving forward from there would, would have to be uh, additional years that the Lakers add to his contract. All right, ESPN app on iTunes. I mentioned Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa. You could search that for the full um, uh, podcast. Uh, appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Thank you to Michael Funches. Thank you to Steve Pellett. As always, LA, have a great rest of your night. Thank you for being a part of the show.